Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell. And in studio today, we have special guest, my best friend from many, many years, Cody Rogers. Cody, we're so glad you are here today. I only get to see you a few times a year. So for you to actually be sitting in studio with us today is a special treat. Our whole podcast today is going to be about really your journey to being a missionary overseas and what you and your family are doing now and have been doing for years and all that work. And of course, Meant to Be Outdoors, we're going to be talking about the outdoors and in uh, where you live. I'm not going to, I'll try not to spill the bubble on that yet. I'll let you do that. And uh, what it's like here, you grew up in the Ozarks just like we did. And so we're going to kind of be comparing those as we go throughout today. But before we jump into all the exciting details, we do need to give thanks. Since you're our guest, why don't you go first? Ryan, thanks so much for having me. It is an honor and a privilege to be on the, the podcast today. Um, so for your regular listeners, they're going to chuckle when I tell you what I'm thankful for, <laughs> but it is the weather. Um, unlike uh, your previous episodes, um, I, I feel like I have uh, a title to this more than, than you guys in the fact that I just left 114 degrees oh, and, and came and came back to this weather in Missouri. And it is wonderful um, to be here in, in this, what I consider a very cool and enjoyable temp. And I'm also really thankful for this time that God has given me to, to get to come back and to be with, with friends and family and to kind of get to catch up for a few weeks before I, I head back out. So I'm thankful for the, the weather and the time. I know we're going to get into this more, Cody. Um, can you share, though, give me a quick example of like how hot are you used to versus now? Because when you're saying you're just, this weather is comfortable to me, we're hitting 80s and I'm sweating. Like I'm getting to where this isn't very comfortable for me, Cody. So why are you enjoyable? You know, why are you thankful for this weather? What is it? What's the difference? Yep. So where I'm from, it's 114 at the moment. It's the hot season. And at nights, it'll cool down into the, to the mid 90s. Um, so when we're trying to sleep, uh, our, our air con just can't, <laughs> can't keep up. Yeah. So you're, you're saying like your lows are our highs currently. So I, I can't wait to dig into that a little bit more. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's like 88 here today in matching humidity. And I think that's really hot. Thankful to be sitting inside in the air conditioner that works well. So I bet you are appreciating it, but yeah, I guess we probably sound like a bunch of whiners the, the last few episodes. <laughs> So you know, what, what I'm thankful for, um, there are just men that have lived on this earth before us that have given a great deal of service, um, positive attitude. They've just, they've lived life and have done it in a way that I want to. And I want to thank men, real men that are men, um, that are living their lives out. You know, Brian and I, we, we talk daily about what is our purpose, what is our calling, and, and it is something that I struggle with. I want to find what that is exactly. And if those listening, you may be in the same boat. There's a quote I found from Michelangelo, and it says, the greatest danger for most of us is not our aim is too high and we miss it, but that it is too low and we reach it. And that's kind of been been like stirring within me of like, I want to... I oh, mean, I really want to 
to do more. I want I want to do what it is that I'm I'm called to do, and I just hope that each day that that I do accomplish those things, that it isn't because I've aimed too low. And so I want to give thanks to the men that have have shared quotes because they've experienced life differently and have done more than I have. And I can't I can't wait to to reach that and hit that one day. Yeah, that's that's really good, Ben. It, it's it's kind of that we don't ever want to fall into complacency, like. Mm-hmm. We do all want to be comfortable, but there is a danger in being comfortable. So always be moving and striving towards towards something. Um, you know what I'm super, super thankful for today is relationships that God has built. God has built the ability, and I think it all comes back to love. He talks about how important love is so many times in the Bible. But, you know, Cody, decades, you and I have been friends there's been years where we don't see each other, and then you're only here for like a month at a time. Once a year, we see each other a couple times, and then a whole another year passes, but it always feels the same. It always feels the same. I love you just as much as, as a brother in Christ, and we we really pick up right where we left off of all the years, and I'm just so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for travel that you can travel 30 hours and, and come and, and be here each year. I'm so thankful for the people that uh, provide that you can do that. I know it is an expensive trip, but I know you are fast paced when you're here, but so good to always get to see you and catch up and pick up right where we left off. You know, Cody, you are doing and, and have done things that most men won't do, you know, or they're, they're not prepared or willing to go do. And so I am thankful that you are on the podcast today, that you're here um, to allow God to speak through you, um, to share wisdom and encouragement to to men that need to hear it. So um, without further ado, yeah, I just can't wait for you guys to get to meet Cody. All right, Cody. We always start with our guests with a little get-to-know-you questions. And f- the first thing that needs to come out is, where are you? You are born and raised in the Ozarks of Southern Missouri, same town that Ben and I grew up in, Spokane, Missouri. You have really been all over the world. Um, growing up with you, spending so much time with you before you left, like I knew your dreams and your aspirations and the things you talked about. Um, and it's not what you're doing now. Not at all. It's not at all what you're doing. So where are you and what the heck are you doing? Yep. So for the last eight years, uh, my wife and I have been living in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Mm. Um, and so we are working with a nonprofit, Christian nonprofit called Asian Hope. And Aaron and I went there to be teachers uh, at the Christian schools that they run there. Uh, growing up, I definitely was not planning on being a teacher. Um, my business was always my aim, and God uh, moved in funny ways in my life, but he's placed me exactly where he wants me. And so Asian Hope ha- is, our, is our home now. And it is a, a beautiful organization that I've never, I don't really see another model that's really similar. Mm. It's actually a uh, Christian education uh, umbrella. There are three distinct school systems in Phnom Penh under Asian Hope. Uh, the first one would be Logos International School. So that's where my wife Erin went to teach when we first went there. And that's a traditional international school and it's a, it's a Christian um, they teach Bible daily and have chapel weekly, um, and it's a, it's a wonderful school. Uh, over 35% of the population, student population there are Cambodian. Um, the next school system is the one I work for, which is Asian Hope International School, and that's 100% Cambodian, 
and uh, we're different that we are a bilingual school. So half the day in English, half the day in Khmer, which is the Cambodian native language. Um, and then the, the third school system is the village development program. Now, what makes us unique is that the top two schools, Logos and AHIS, they are fee-based. So students pay tuition to go. So where does that money go? Well, that money goes to pay for operations, pays some teacher salary, but then the rest of that goes to the VDP. So we are able to provide almost 2,000 students around Phnom Penh in the poorest communities with quality Christian education that they just would not have access to uh, if we were not there. Uh, so between the three school systems, we have almost 3,000 students daily that are hearing the gospel and receiving a quality education in Phnom Penh. Um, and we are excited to announce that we are actually opening a second branch of Asian Hope International School in August in Siem Reap, oh, which is... Congratulations, Thank man. you. Thank you. It is the, the cultural heart of Cambodia. So it's home to the famous Angkor Wat Temple Complex. That is the, the symbol that is on the Cambodian flag. Um, we've been wanting to get up there for years. COVID, of course, uh, caused huge problems around the world and doubly so for Cambodia and our schools. But um, now is God has just given us the opportunity to open a school there. So that'll start in August. And we are just so excited about the opportunities that that will, will bring for us coming forward. Cody, so would you consider yourself with all the work you're doing, which it's, it sounds like there's so much going on, it could almost be overwhelming. Would you consider yourselves missionaries? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I believe God has called us all um, to, to share our faith with those around us. Um, I don't believe that we're all called to be pastors. Right. I do not believe we are all called to be missionaries. Um, I, call, I consider myself a missionary in the fact that I have moved around the world, but I am, I am not your traditional church planting missionary. Um, what I do is I, I run schools and I run Christian schools that, that deliver an excellence, a level of excellence that I believe God has called us to mm, do. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, we talk about that all the time, uh, uh, that Christians should, even with just your stuff, God bless is blessing you with this, but we should be called to excellence. Your stuff should be clean and, and cared for, mm -hmm. um, and especially if you're talking about education, it should be a higher standard than, than non-Christian education. You know, Cody, this just came to me. Um, I've been hearing this a lot, like COVID. COVID has impacted um, the whole world, you know, and, and we see it as always as this negative thing. Um, but it is, it's starting to come to me now, like everything has a place and a purpose. Um, it is God design. And, and I'm not saying that, that COVID was, was placed here, um, by him. However, he is going to work through everything, both good and evil. Um, you had said COVID had impacted what was going on over where you were living, but are there any positives now with COVID being, being done? Has that been allowed you to open up a second branch? Has there been some openings because of that? Is What's that look like? Great question. There were definite silver linings to COVID in, in Cambodia for us. Um, the first was that there were, in Phnom Penh, there's a lot of quote-unquote international schools, and they are subpar quality. And it would always tear my tear my heart because I know these parents are just getting taken advantage of. In many cases, these schools would charge more than our school. And with COVID, uh, if the if the school couldn't even adapt to the online, well, then they just closed. So that was great. And the second thing was, if they could adapt to the online, 
the parents actually got to see the quality firsthand. Mm. And what happened for us was our enrollment numbers shot through the roof. Um, families could see the, the, the passion, the love, the, the quality, the excellence that our teachers brought to their students. And it was unlike any other school in the city. And um, whenever COVID, whenever the government started to open the schools, they only allowed uh, 20 in the whole country to open first. And Logos and AHIS were on the top. We're in the top 20 schools in the country. And Logos is uh, one of the top schools uh, in the country for sure. Well, we usually ask several get to know you questions when we have guests on here at the beginning, but I just have too many other questions before we get to some of those <laughs> outdoor geared get to know you questions. Um, Cambodia, can you tell us more? Like, is it is it third world? Like, I, you've shared with things with me over the years about what happened several decades ago and the percentage of Christians that are truly there and, and why it is such a broken place and why what you're doing is so important. Can you share some of that? Yeah, Cambodia is a beautiful country with absolutely amazing people who are all survivors. Every single person there, um, if if they if they're under forty five, then they one of their they didn't survive the Khmer Rouge, but their mom and dad did, um, and so they've inherited this this survivor aspect of life. And what happened in in the the seventies was terrible. Um, 20, 25% of the country was killed by the communist uh, Khmer Rouge regime, lasted only four years, but it really set the country back decades in development. And so for the last 45 years, uh, they've been trying to catch up Mm -hmm. and they've had a lot of support from the outside world and they've had a lot of support from the church. Um, And honestly, in the last eight years we've been there, it feels like Every six months, they are they are just developing faster and faster and faster. And honestly, it's weird when I come back to the you know when I come back here to the Ozarks, it looks the same. Right. But I'm gone for a month and I go back to Phnom Penh, and I, I get lost. There's in just one month, so many things have popped up. So um, good things are happening for that country and for the people. Um, and so that that's pretty cool. So, is it? Are there a lot of Christians in Cambodia or, I mean, what, why has Asian Hope taken such a focus on developing these uh, gospel-focused schools there? Christianity is definitely the minority, I mean, micro, micro minority uh, in Cambodia. 97% of the country is Buddhist, um, but there is a lot of cultural uh, Hinduism that uh, built into that framework. There's a lot of Chinese ancestor worship. There is animism um, and then some just atheism now um, in the country. Um, There is some people groups there. About 2% of the country is a Muslim uh, community. And then Christianity, you could say, is around 1%, depending on who you ask. But even saying you're a Christian, that's a very fluid definition right it do you, does it pose you risks like to s- openly say yes i'm a christian is that a risky thing to do there we are very lucky that uh cambodia is open to the gospel hmm. and i think this is one of the maybe this we were talking about the silver linings of covid this could be potentially a silver lining of the Khmer rouge the way that the christian brothers and sisters reacted to help cambodia after the Khmer rouge 
really opened the eyes of the leaders of Cambodia that that we were there to help and that we were there to support and that we cared for, for these people. Um, and so ever since, uh, the government has been really uh, open to r- religions and it is it is unlike some of its neighboring countries, we are free to share our faith. We are free to, to talk about the gospel and and to invite people to church and to invite people to to hear and learn more about the good news of Jesus. Yeah, praise God for that. It would be yeah even more difficult if you had to watch your back every time you felt like you needed to share. Can you explain to the listeners a little more about the Khmer Rouge? Yep. So 1975 to 1979, um, a, a kind of a, essentially a guerrilla organization called the Khmer Rouge, which was uh, organized by a couple generals, but the main guy in history that we talk about now is Pol Pot. Um, they took over power, um, and there was obviously a, a larger perspective uh, in cultural event happening uh, during that. That was the Vietnam War in that region, um, and. There was a lot going on with the the monarchy in Cambodia. Cambodia does have a monarchy as well. And they had also had a huge influence from the French for over 200 years. They were a French protectorate. Um, so Cambodia was a really unique space in, in the 70s, in the, in the 1900s, really. And so you had all these different things pulling for power. And the one that kind of rose to the top quickly was the Khmer Rouge. And this was, uh, like I said, a communist uh, organization that took over power quickly, but their leaders seem to have studied uh, Hitler really well and mm-hmm. kind of uh, took his, his method on eliminating opposition. Um, he didn't want to leave anyone alive that could cause him any threat whatsoever. So of course, if you were a former employee of the, of the government, if you knew how to run large systems, you were a threat. Um, so he, he would assassinate and, and systematically murder um, former government employees. But then it came to, well, if you were highly educated, if you were you know teachers, of course, they would they would kill you. Um, professors, uh, Buddhist and Christian monks, uh, Bo- uh, Buddhist monks, Christian, any Christian believers, they were killed. The communists did not like religion at all, mm-hmm. um, and so they had a systemized uh, process. Uh, and it's there's uh, many good books and and videos that kind of um, t- kind of explain what happened during the times that we call the killing fields. And there's thousands of them located around. Cambodia, and they, these are just mass graves, unmarked grave areas. And the most famous one outside of Phnom Penh is called Chung Ek. And it is a really sobering place to go and see what humanity can do whenever you don't value human life. When you don't understand that we are all made in the image of God, when we are all endowed with a spirit and that we are a symbol of God, well, that means we can treat each other like trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... <laughs> That, that is sobering just to talk about, and you can see a shift in our country away from that um, worldwide, I would say, but definitely here in our country. And so I hope that if you're listening to this, it is time for people who believe to not just sit back. It's time for us to speak up. It is time for us to fight for values, to fight for human life. Human life is valuable, and there is a lot of opposition to that now. Um and, and we should be fighting for it with, with our words and definitely our Bibles. 
Cody, you talking about what you said the killing fields? Is that what it was called? Yeah. You know, we can go back even here in the states and, and go back to some some crazy bad times. Um, me personally, the, the age that I am, though, I didn't live through any of that, and neither did my parents. Like, we're just so so far removed from a lot of the history of the the really gross, nasty stuff that was taking place that we're removed from that. You know, the children that you're teaching right now that you're getting to educate, are they becoming so removed that it's it's hard for them to understand that history? Is that something that you're maybe experiencing? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Yeah, um, they are. Uh, this generation that's coming up, in, in, in a good way, they want to move beyond the tragedies that happened. And so that I see as as a really great opportunity that they are wanting to to find find their own place in this new global society. They are wanting to come out and for people to to recognize Cambodia not as a sad story or not as a sad point in history, but as more of a a phoenix uh, rising from the ashes. Like this is the new generation that's going to change the region and that's why Asian Hope is also so excited about the opportunities of what we can do for this country um, over the next 10, 20 years. Education is not a quick fix, yeah. but education can can impact generations and can definitely impact a country. What blows my mind about what you just shared about the genocide there, I, I would definitely classify it as a genocide, mm-hmm. is that, Cody, I never heard about it until you went there. Yeah. And we're talking about the mid to late 70s. Like right. this is just a, a few years before we were all born. Like this isn't that long ago. Right. Many people in our lives, this was in their lifetime, yet it's not even really known. So to Ben's point, it is easy to get removed from these awful things that happen in this world and in our American culture fall into our comforts and, and let the devil deceive and, and change our focus and distract us to things that don't really matter, but we make them matter when it isn't too far removed that these these awful genocides and millions of people dying, it has happened many times in history and it will probably happen again. Um, so it is great that you're telling the story and it is great that you are in this country fighting for these people and, and fighting for God's kingdom and making sure that it, that it continues to grow. Um, I, I didn't intend for us to get that heavy to start the podcast, but I think it's important for people to know the truth about Cambodia, because mm. you hear Cambodia, I'd heard about it before, but I had never, ever, ever truly heard about what you just shared, what mm-hmm. happened in the 70s. Yeah. I think also to relate from Cambodia to, to here in the States, there was nothing beneath us. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that that in which happened can happen. And so if we don't watch and if we're not on watch and we're not careful this could happen here as well. I mean, Brian Lilly just said these things can repeat themselves. And so, um, you know, sharing sharing the truth, um, sharing what's happening is important. Um, I know it's not the outdoors, <laughs> but I, I think it was really important for people to hear that. And so um, that's what I'm looking forward to also getting in to talk with you about of, of, of the outdoors. What What's it look like in Cambodia versus here? And, and uh, how is living? <laughs> what's living like? <laughs> well, Let's let's turn it a little lighter. And I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask so everybody else can learn it too. Cody, what is your single favorite outdoor activity? That's a really hard question. Um, growing up, uh, every summer, 
mom and dad would take me down to Table Rock Lake and I would get to water ski. Mm-hmm. And I, ever since then, I grew up skiing and I've, I've just continued to love water skiing. Um, now, since moving abroad, the rest of the world really doesn't do that. Um, <laughs> That's so, one of those American things. Yeah. Huh? Um, it, it's not that common to go water skiing, to get on a boat and go water skiing. Um, so w- when my wife and I first moved abroad, we were in Korea. And so we, we went snow skiing. And I think now, having lived abroad, if I, if, if somebody was going to give me a uh, you know, golden ticket, go do some outdoor activity, um, you know, full, you know, free, go do it now. I would, I would definitely go skiing. And I think part of that snow skiing, and I think part of that is, again, goes back to I'm always hot in yeah. Cambodia, <laughs> always <laughs> hot. So the idea of to go sit in some snow and go skiing out and, and just have the beauty of the mountains, I think that is, that's how I've changed in the last uh, 20, 30 years. <laughs> yeah, I've only had the opportunity to do that once out in Colorado, and I really really loved it and i hope to do it again mm-hmm. while my body is still able because <laughs> it is a pretty physically uh demanding thing yeah. to do especially if you're going up on some of those steeper more more difficult slopes but with my uh with my uh injury history i, I like to stick to some blues and greens <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> uh so what is the favorite you've already mentioned you kind of said south korea that you've been there and i know You've really been all over the world, and you have seen more of the world than I would say you're probably in the 1% of, of people in, in what you have seen. What is the favorite place you've ever traveled to and why? And then maybe share, uh, you've lived to several different places that are unique. Can you share all the places that you've lived? Yeah. I think from an outdoor natural beauty aspect, my favorite trip was to northeast Vietnam to an area called Halong Bay. So in this area, you've got these beautiful boats traveling between these ginormous lime, limestone formations that just jut right out of the water. And then sitting on top of them is just the jungle. And it's just the most beautiful, uh, kind of magical feeling. I say, of, does it even feel like you're in this world? No, it feels so, it feels like a movie. And say the name of it one more time. Ha Long Bay. Halong Bay, Vietnam. Vietnam. Halong I mean, Bay. All these names, these Asian <laughs> names you're throwing at me, like I'm going to have a hard time even remembering what to Google when yep. we're done here. Yep. So Northeast Vietnam, Halong Bay is a wonderful, wonderful place. Close second is also Vietnam. Uh, north Northwest is called Sapa and it's up in the mountains and they've got the terrace uh, where they grow the rice and you can do trekking up there and it is just gorgeous. Yeah, I'm going to have to at least Google it so I can get an idea of what you're talking about. Sounds like something out of a movie. Um, So what are some of the places you've lived? You're in Cambodia now. What about before that? You left the States in 2011? 10? 2012. 2012. Yes, 2012. Um, And we... My wife and I lived in South Korea for two years, and we were able to uh, travel a lot of Asia then. And so we got to see some really, really cool places we're really thankful for. You weren't just there to travel, though. You guys were working. You were teaching, Correct. Right? Yep. Yeah. So it's funny. I, I went to, to business school, and then I went to teach, teach um, yeah. which uh, created many questions for me over the over the next last 10 years. Um, but uh, it was an amazing experience for us to be able to get out and to see the beauty of the world. And this is something I wanted to, to talk about um, and how 
getting out changed me, how it changed my family. I was able to um, have a new appreciation and perspective. Whenever you get out and you see the Great Barrier Reef, when you're able to go snorkeling and see these beautiful, these beautiful formations under the, the water, you just realize how amazing God is and how diverse and unique this planet we have is that God gave us and how he wanted us to go out and see it and take care of it and, and, and be in it. And so we, we lived in Korea and got to travel and do cool things there. We lived in Europe. Uh, we lived in Spain uh, for a year. And that was a very different um, type of environment. But we got to see the mountains, the deserts. Uh, we got to visit the Middle East, which was great. Um, we've been to South Africa, which is, one, I think, one of the most beautiful countries in the world. It's, it's got, I think, one of the most diverse uh, biospheres in, in the world. And you can, you know, do a two-hour drive and see like six different types of biomes or something. It's, it's crazy. Um, so I think our travels and our, our time when, where we were teaching just really had a huge impact on Aaron and I and our appreciation for this world God gave us and for the, the people and the cultures that are in it. Cody, after listening to your story here, I've got a question, and this isn't a question that uh, we sent to you or, or prepared you for, and so um, answer honestly the best that you can without any pre-thought, but you know, for those that love survival, um, we teach food, fire, shelter, water. It's something that, that we have to have daily, but in podcasts in the past, Brian and I have talked about like whenever I travel, whenever I'm going, like when I went to Poland, you know, I'm under this mindset possibly even an attitude, but a mindset of I'm coming back. Like I'm going out, I'm going to Poland. Here's the things that I need because I'm coming back mm. no matter what. Yeah. If I'm still alive, my goal is to come back to the States, mainly because my family's here. Right. But for you, you're going and you've been to all these places. I mean, you, you probably even have more places to share that you didn't just there. What is it? What is it that when you're leaving – if there's nothing here, because you're not coming back. Like when you left, it's like I'm going there, and there is there. It isn't mm -hmm. like do you see what I'm asking. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For the listener, hope they understand what I'm asking. Like they're not in this mindset. Cody isn't in this mindset of oh, I'm coming back home. Right. It's I'm going here, and that's home. Kind of help me to maybe understand what is that mindset? What's that look like for any survivalist that's listening? When we're talking about food, fire, shelter, water, what does that look like of wherever you go? your home. Yeah. So, um, all of those things that you just listed, I mean, that's, that is survival. Um, but family is, is where your home is. And so, uh, Cambodia, that's, that's where my family, that's where we've built our house. That's where we have our shared memories. That's where we taught the girls how to walk. That's where we've, you know, had all of these huge milestone events. Um, so that is, that is for all intents and purposes, home for us now, and it definitely feels that way uh, when we get when we get to go back. Um, even when we step out of the plane and hit that temp, that temp and that humidity, it's ah, it's hot and it's humid, but it's home. Right. Um, it's what we know now, and so I just time having the time there, building that community, those friendships, and um, those experiences. That is what keeps you connected, and that's what. Um, helps you not go through burnout and and kind of um, help it helps you from romanticizing also your your other places that you've been uh, it keeps you real 
Yeah, and if there are ever are things that you need of those food, fire, shelter, water, if you have those relationships and those people around you, um, they're there to help you find that. That's something we teach. It's like you need other people. In a yes. survival situation, running away is one of the most dangerous things you can do. We need other people. Yep. It's God's design. We need other people. So you sharing that, I think, it fits absolutely perfectly. You mentioned your girls. I don't know. Um, I may have let it slip by earlier, but do you want to share a little bit more about your family? I know you've mentioned your wife, but yep. it is more than just you and your wife. Yeah, yeah. So we have beautiful, two beautiful girls, uh, Evie, who's three, and Lucia, who is five. And then, God willing, we will have a new baby girl in September. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, September you. 9th is going to be the day that she's born. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. That yeah. would be great. <laughs> That's my birthday. Yes, oh, I know. Sure. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> yes, no, congratulations on that. You guys definitely have a beautiful family, and I'm sure – it does make home wherever you're at, but I'm sure that brings difficulties too. living overseas, raising yeah. families, um, living in a country that is not, it sounds like they're advancing, but they don't have the comforts that we have here in the United States. So I'm sure that does bring difficulties. What is the climate like there uh, socially, environmentally? You mentioned it's 114 there now. What do the seasons do? Sure. Can you just share more about what it truly is like living in Phnom Penh? So as I said, it's just always hot. Just just get that three sixty five. Three sixty five. So just, what's winter like? It's just hot. If we get into the into the upper eighties, that's exciting. Like that. So like that, today is cold. Oh there. yes, oh, yes, wow. so yeah. It's, it's eighty eight right now today where we're sitting. Right. So that's cold in Cambodia. Yes, yes, wow. that is good. It's hilarious because you will see you will see Cambodians putting on parkas and <laughs> and scarves and and hats, wool hats, and even. Uh, uh, guys, I got to be honest. If I, when I do a drive-in on a moto, and if it's in the eighties, I have to put on a jacket. Oh my god! Um, because I've it, your your body acclimatizes, like yeah, you get no, used it to does. it. It absolutely does. Um, and so I've I'm now at that point where my body um, I need a, I also need a jacket in the eighties. Um, but it, we have two seasons: uh, uh, dry season and the rainy season, the wet season. So dry is October to late April. And then the wet season, which we're in now, is May to late September. And so we get a lot of a lot of rain, and it comes hard and fast. I was going to say, what? how drastic? What's the distinction between dry and, and wet season? Uh, literally no rain for months, and then all of the rain at once. Um, and you can... It's some some years you've been able to set your clock by it. It would start pouring at three o'clock on the dot every day, and it would pour for you know maybe an hour. Um, but I the the all the streets would flood. It would be you know a foot deep of water, and then you know three hours later that the floodwaters would recede. And they say, would drink. What is the infrastructure like there? Because you're you're in an urban area, yes, right? Yes, correct, correct. So what's the infrastructure like there to handle the 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 rain? Yeah, it's they they do they are currently developing that more. The 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 city has been putting a lot of drainage pipes underground around the under the roads, um, and so it's helping. Um, but it's still just it, when it it pours, you just know you're going to be driving in some water. And it and oftentimes some of my best memories are with you on the Sea Dew. Yeah. And um, many ways, I've I've been in floodwaters on my motorcycle. And it felt like a sea dew. I've been I've been in the wake of a truck, and then another passing truck will come by, and that wake will shake my bike. Yeah. Um, and it's it's crazy. Um, so that is yeah, the rainy season is pretty serious. 
All right. So you've mentioned your your bike or your moto. Yep. Is that your main mode of transportation there? Yes, it is. So I get around on a Honda FTR, and that is my commute's really short. So is that a moped? A no, no, no. That's uh, okay. that's that's a two twenty five cc. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it is. Yeah, it's 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 good. And, and why that? Not a car. We did get a car. Um, we had a moto for a long time. And then we were sitting at a stoplight when Aaron was pregnant with Lucia and a bus um, just kind of rolled into us. Um, it was a very slow motion, very Austin Powers feeling like, <laughs> no, it happened so slow, but it, it hurt her ankle and she was on like a moon boot for like months and she was pregnant. So that obviously was a wake up call to us that traffic is really dangerous there. Yeah. And so after uh, after that, we were able to, to get a car. And so now that we have the girls, it's a lot safer way to get around the city. Um, but for me, uh, it's, it's easy enough for me to get out. Traffic can be really, really crazy. And having a, a moto is a way to kind of zip through and get to where you need to go quick. I got to ask more about the bus on moto accident. Sure, sure, sure. Like, you get hit by, I mean, what's the after like? Oh, is there I, I drove away. Do you just no, get up and make no. sure you're in one piece? And I mean, why do you just get up and leave? Yeah, it was slow motion. We were, we hadn't been in Cambodia very long. Um, it didn't even knock my bike over. Her ankle was positioned in a way where it literally, the bus just r gently rolled into her ankle and then pressed it against the metal on my bike mm. just enough where it, I didn't even really, it didn't, I felt it. Um, but then she started screaming to go, go, go. So I, I just left and we didn't really, un we didn't know the damage until later that, that evening when her foot kind of, she wasn't able to walk on it. Right. Right. Um, we hadn't been there long. We couldn't speak the language yet. So it really would have, it wouldn't have come to nothing for us to try and talk to the, to the bus driver. Right. Do, do you think it was intentional, accidental, just an accident? Just complete. Yeah. accident yeah he he either he just let off the brake and and he didn't even realize he was he was uh rolling um because it's Phnom Penh's a pretty flat place right um so i i think it was complete accident goodness that that is that is a lifelong story there i mean that's that's one you can tell over and over and get a reaction in <laughs> any room that you got hit by a bus in cambodia while you were on a motorcycle with yep. your pregnant wife yep wow not many people can say that happened to them um Ministry is, is, I mean, that's what you're doing now. We all have a ministry, but just kind of this full-time ministry, was that a passion of yours growing up? Did you foresee yourself doing this? Or was this kind of a surprise to you what God had in store? Very much a surprise. Uh, looking back, though, I think it's clear that God had something planned out for me. Um, as you mentioned earlier, my my background is is not ministry it's 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 business and so i thought that by studying business i'd be able to make a lot of money and travel and see the world and that's what i wanted to do and then i i realized that with teaching i i could also do that and i could accomplish it a lot quicker and so that's kind of what we got into and after traveling overseas um, living in korea we had visited cambodia uh, as tourists and we went to angkor wat and we just really fell in love with the people. And we thought um, learning about their history and the tragedy of the Khmer Rouge, um, we just knew that these pe something was special and these people needed help. And 
that touched our heart. And then we went to Spain and we couldn't get Cambodia out of our head. And the business brain in me was thinking about how I could start a school. I wanted to start a Christian international school that was self-sustainable and that would give back to the country. And of course, by the time I finished all my spreadsheets, all my Google presentations, then my brilliant wife said, have you Googled if there's already a school there? <laughs> and so, of course, I Google it and Asian Hope beat me by 10 years. Yeah. So, Cody, through a shared passion and, and God's divine direction, you found Asian Hope. Mm -hmm. You learned very quickly. Thankfully, God protected you, but you learned very quickly what you needed to do to survive there, to act like the natives. As things started to kind of fall into place, did you really have that answer like God called me to do this and that's why I that's why you're going or did you just go do this and then kind of feel some some confirmation from God afterwards I think early on um we were we were convicted um having been to Cambodia and then when we were in Spain and I was doing the spreadsheets we couldn't I couldn't forget uh Cambodia and we had gone back a second time on a on a mission trip and we had gone to an orphanage, which was very common at that time in Phnom Penh. And it was ran by a very good meaning group of missionaries. And I was just disappointed with the the lack of excellence that I was seeing. I felt that they had a really amazing group of kids. They had a, an incredible opportunity to shape and mold these kids' lives and to provi provide them with something most Cambodians didn't have, which was fluent, uh, fluent English uh, experience. Um, and that just wasn't really what they were doing. They didn't see that opportunity. And I, and I thought that that was a, a really missed um, piece of the puzzle that would really change those kids' lives. And so that that awareness, I think, coupled with the pulling of the history and the emotional connection on our hearts, God used those things to kind of commit us to going to Cambodia. Now, we initially signed on for two years. So that was that was six years ago, right? right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we passed that six years ago. So um, the reason we've stayed is because we continually see God moving and providing fruit in our ministry and in the city and in the, the communities that we're impacting and in our kids' lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Ben, you and I talk about if in the well, you and I talk about it, the Bible says it. If if you feel called to do something, if God speaks, if the Holy moves, Holy Spirit moves on your heart and in your mind and in your soul, and you ignore it and you don't do it, well, you're worse than an unbeliever. And so, for you to have the courage, you and your wife to have the courage to go to Cambodia of all places, to to really uproot your lives and say, you know what, this is home now because of these people in the mission. Um, it sounds like God did call you, and and it sounds like you are answering the call. So so kudos for that. You know what? It isn't all bad. I mean, you've been there for eight years. Been some horrible things that have happened in that country. You guys have had to go through a lot. Just knowing some of the small stories that you guys have been through. What are some of the positive things that you've seen? This I mean, it, it has been a massive commitment for you guys to take this on and to continue to do it year after year. I mean, your your parents. Your nephew, your nephews, your nieces, your brothers, your sister—they're all here in the United States. So, mm. taking this commitment to be there for these people has had to bring you some positive. Can you share some of the positives for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we stay because we see what God is doing in the lives 
of these people in these these communities. Um, we we know that um, it's a slow process, um, but even in the short term, we are seeing hearts and minds changed seemingly overnight. Um, I can give a few examples. I was able to counsel. Um, I, I've, I've taught hundreds of students, and, and this is a simple example. I was able to counsel one boy um, who had he'd been bounced around many, many schools, and he just was angry all the time. Mm-hmm. And with the other teachers' support, with the love of our community that we were able to provide with the Bible and the Scripture that I was able to, to share with him and to just talk through life with him, he is now excelling academically and socially. He is a different kid. And that wasn't me. That wasn't just our school. That was the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things when I first uh, moved to Asian Hope, I asked our receptionist, um, why do these Buddhist families, most of our kids at AHIS are from Buddhist families, why do they send their kids to a Christian school? They have to sign a piece of paper saying, my son and daughter will learn about the Bible in English and Khmer. Why are they willing to do that? And she said, because um, whenever the students come, the moms and dads, they tell their friends and say, whenever my son went there, he had more love, kindness, respect. He was gentle. He was thoughtful. They just start listing the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. They don't even, you know, they, they don't know that phrase. Wow. But that, that is God moving in these kids' lives. And, and, and that is, that's the positive. And that's what we see. Um, obviously, the gospel is needed in the U.S., in, in southwest Missouri um, now, just yeah. as much. Um, but we have a, we have a history. We, we, we know the people of can know and have had access to the Bible for generations. That's not the case in Phnom Penh. This is the first time some of these families have ever heard of the name Jesus. Um, and so that's why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, that I'm sure that fills your cup up every time that, that you get to feel like you are growing God's kingdom directly and pro- probably, um, definitely changing generations, yeah. you know, generations now, generations to come. Um, and really helping bringing healing through love uh, of of the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus Christ of bringing His love that He talks about so often in the Bible to a country that has been broken for decades because of evil because of the evil that that has happened absolutely so it has been you know I know a lot of your story I don't know all of it but what are some some negative things. Let's just talk about living abroad in general, not necessarily Cambodia, but what are some negative things about living abroad the way you have for, what's the total now? Uh, is this year 12? You're yeah, in year 12? This will start yeah. year 12, yeah. Um, the negative things, I think you kind of already already said it. It's the things that we miss here. Mm-hmm. Our family are still in Southwest Missouri. So we've lost family members. Um, so to not be here with our family while they're grieving, t- to not lay our loved ones uh, to rest with our family, that's hard. To miss our family and friend milestones, marriages, births, um, to not be able to celebrate those things. Um, I think that is honestly the single hardest thing about living abroad because we've, we've been doing it so long, living abroad is normal. But it's missing out on on our family. That is that's the hard thing because 
there's simple annoyances, right, with living abroad, finding cell phones, fi- you know, finding ways to communicate, finding shelter, finding safe uh, food and water to drink. Um, but if you do it long enough, you, you get good at it, just like Ben is able to go out into a forest and be able to find all those things easily. With practice, you get good at it, um, but you can't, there's no amount of practice that helps you uh, when you miss those life events. You know, Cody, you're usually talking about sacrifice and and really take service. I mean, those that are serving, there's a sacrifice that comes with that. You know, your whole story that you talked about so far, it just really reminds me that God calls people to do his work. And once God's people starts doing his work, then he uses the Holy Spirit through those people for his glory. But that is the relationship. That is the connection. It requires you. You have to go out and do what he's calling you to do for him to do his work through you. Mm-hmm. If you don't go, it ain't happening. Yeah. And, and I know people people might stop and think, well, well, God's gonna God's gonna find another way. He may, he may not. But when he's calling you to go do it, you better go do it. But there is sacrifice that comes with that. And Cody, I want to thank you for for your sacrifice because he's called someone to be there, and it's you, <laughs> it's you. <laughs> and you know that sacrifice of being away from your family, from your wife's family, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that is tough. It's very tough. I do also believe that God fills and gives his peace, his discernment, his wisdom upon those that are making those sacrifices. Um, you know, I know that, that you and your family and your wife's family have, yeah, their, their life is happening the same time that your life is happening over there as well. And, and, Without a sacrifice, though, the kids that you just talked about, just the one, just let's just say it was one kid, one child. You've yeah. said hundreds, but the one child that you had that impact on, um, you know, the Bible tells us that, I believe it's in Luke. I've just been reading Luke, but it makes it very clear that that heaven rejoices for one. Absolutely. There may be 99 that are righteous, mm-hmm. but they're more excited about the one. And if that's all there was, Cody, then that's that's the reason to be there. And so um, props to you, props to your family. And, and I hope that you speaking this out today and really thinking through all this encourages you and gives you the strength um, for when you go back. It does. Thank you. Yeah. So moving more specifically here, Cody, Cambodia can the actual country and living and with the infrastructure and the things that you face as a non-native what are some of the difficulties that come along with specifically living in Cambodia? Um, I think for an expat who's um, moving there, um, the thing that obviously hits you first is the heat and humidity. Um, and that's what's actually put me in the hospital twice of dehydration um, over the last two years. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you <laughs> you said two times? Is that what I hear? Correct. What lesson have you learned from well, this, Cody? <laughs> I should drink more water. <laughs> drink more water. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. You sound like my wife, Ben. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it, that's hard. Um, it It is a great country, um, but as, I've, I've, we, as we've already said with the example of the bus, traffic is different. Um, and so learning the rules of the road are an important key to survival in the country. And so that took about four years to figure that out. Wow. Um, but now I'm, um, I'm, I feel like I, I, I could teach a master class in driving. I don't recommend learning how to drive a motorcycle in Cambodia. That's, that's what I did. I'd yeah. never driven one before. Um, but it is, it feels a little bit like the Wild West. But, but uh, yeah, the traffic is, is challenging. 
Um, one other thing that a lot of people don't think about is one-stop shopping. Um, whenever Aaron and I come back, we could just spend hours walking around Walmart. Um, <laughs> one place where I can buy everything I need yeah. is incredible because I would ha- it would take weeks and hundreds of shops uh, to, to get all of those things in Phnom Penh. And so that's just the mental toll that that takes about planning a trip, finding, okay, I need this, 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 and this. Well, I've got to go to four or six. Well, because two of the places aren't going to have it in stock. So I'm going to, I need to know four places that usually have it and at least two others per item, yeah. mind you, per item. Wow. That will have a backup. Um, it, it It's hard. So I'm really thankful for Walmart. Um, I don't believe you get any money from Walmart for this. No, do you? Not no. yet. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that's unique, it can happen in many other countries, but power and water shortages and cuts um, because of the, the, the seasons, the drought season, um, we, we can lose uh, potable water. So that that's an issue our schools have to have uh, filtration systems built in um, and then at our home, we just may lose water and then power comes and goes um, as it. But a lot of that's also them developing the, the the power grid. So hang on here, Cody. So you're telling me that there's not a Dollar General on every corner? Uh, there, there is not. <laughs> it is hard for me when we're, we're driving through Highlandville now to not. I want to stop at Dollar General every time I drive by. Hey, here's how you do it. You get you a couple of those yellow Dollar General bags. <laughs> Take them in your suitcase and you just stick them in the ground yeah. and they grow. And they they grow. will grow in Cambodia. That's love how it, it works. I would you, love that. You can be the uh, the first one to bring DG to Cambodia. Perfect. Cody, you're talking about the water. Um, that's a huge. That's a huge question that I have, or a question that I have for you is is water being so precious. You know, here in the states, I don't maybe. I'm probably not as appreciative of it or for it. I don't know how to say that correctly. I'm thankful. You know, I don't, I don't give it the God, the praise for the water that we have, right. just the clean running water all the time, nonstop. You know, what is water like over there, both in the outdoors? You know, we can mm-hmm. go to the lake. You've talked about uh, sea already. You and Brian be able to write sea yeah. when you were growing up here. What is the, the water like there in the outdoors? And then what is that drinking water like? And in a survival situation, like the mindset, the lifestyle, the living, what do you have to do? So water is a huge part of Cambodian uh, culture and life. Um, and so it's in Phnom Penh, a lot of Cambodia is um, rice fields. So it's, it's like flood zones. So the, the Mekong River flows through it. It's the biggest one. Phnom Penh is uh, the convergence of the Mekong and the Tonle Sap River. The Tonle Sap is the Tonle Sap River is fed from the Tonle Sap Lake, which is up near Angkor Wat, up near Siem Reap. Um, and it is the largest fresh body of water in in, uh, in Southeast Asia. And one cool thing about that is that they actually have a, a water festival that celebrates uh, the ending the, the, the ending of the, the monsoon season or excuse me, the beginning of the monsoon season. And what's really cool, they have boat races, traditional boat races and things, and it's a big event in Phnom Penh. But what's so cool is the actual flow of the Tonle Sap River reverses. Because it gets so much rain, the Mekong is flooded so much that when it comes back to Phnom Penh and joins, the Mekong water starts pushing and pushing it back up 
into the the Tonle Sap Lake, which is a pretty cool phenomenon. And and so you've got fishing villages, um, many 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 fishing villages uh, throughout the country on the Mekong, on the Tonle Sap, on the on the lake itself. Um, you've got communities, you've got schools, floating schools. Um, and so in many ways, we've got tons of water. We've got too much water at times. Potable water is harder. It's harder to find. So you've got often it's wells, well systems, but there's heavy metals. There's ar- arsenic is, is pretty common in a lot of the, the wells. Um, so you do a lot of, uh, filtration and purification systems, um, to kind of get those things out. Um, and then even with the, even with the, the public drinking water, um, I, I think it's probably okay to drink, but that just as an extra precaution for us, we, we have a separate uh, filtration system in our home, and we will we'll kettle the water if we, we need to use it that way. Yeah, sounds like you're, you're taking the precautions that you need to. Sounds like you're aware of, of what's going on. I, I, we have this list of questions for you, and, and as you talk, I just keep getting more and more questions. So this may be the – we may set the Meant to be Outdoors podcast <laughs> record for the longest podcast ever because I just have to ask sure. some of these fishing. Ben and I love to fish. You yeah. mentioned fishing. What are they fishing for? Is it It's commercial, recreational, both, mm-hmm. and, and what type of fish? Both. Um, I, I am not an expert on the Cambodian fishing, but um, recreational is huge. Um, they, they, my, some of my Cambodian friends love to go to these little floating, uh, karaoke restaurants where they go and they sit and they sing and then, but they also can, you can rent some, uh, so your rods and reels and fishing and singing and eating and drinking. Yeah. It just sounds, yeah. Sounds, uh, sounds, sounds really terrible. (laughs) Is it like a cane pole? Like, are they like, like big sticks? Yep. Some are, but, uh, but we're seeing, uh, there's a couple sports companies. So decathlon is a really big sporting company from, I believe France. It's out of Europe. Yeah. We just bought some decathlon tents. Okay. Yep. So they, they're huge. When they came in, that kind of changed the game. Um, before it was like, really, if you were fishing, it would have been with the, the cane pole or you were rich and you actually had some, you know, 400, $500 reels. Decathlon has really brought it in and, and helped the middle class be able to access these sports um, that they normally wouldn't have been able to, to, to partake in. Now, you've got commercial fishing out in uh, Kampot Kipe area. You've got crabbing. You've got um, the biggest uh, stingray in the world was in the Mekong River in Cambodia. Um, you've got a cr- incredible uh, diverse um, uh, uh, range of fish and animals in the Tonle Sap uh, lake system itself. Um, and so they fish from tons of things. There's there's freshwater eels. Um, there's a bunch of really, really cool things. We'd mentioned crocodiles. They're not out in the wild that I know of yet, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but they are farmed up in Siem Reap. Traditionally, they have been found in that area. A lot of them during the Khmer Rouge, a lot of a lot of the animals, the big animals, were killed uh, for food, just just for survival. Um, so they lost a lot of uh, animals during that time. Uh, crocodiles being one. So it sounds like, just from a fauna perspective, the the animals that are there is so different than here. What? Just share with me like the biggest difference like is it like do they have like foot-long mosquitoes yeah like uh maybe another example like you know we have mice and rats that we're battling is is that the same there for you as well kind of all of that sure 
Yeah, so rats are mice and rats are, are a big problem, and they are also physically large. <laughs> In the, I mean, any big urban uh, place, you're going to get big rats. So you've got the famous pizza rat in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. But we've got them in Phnom Penh. They they can get huge. Uh, driving uh, our old neighborhood, we'd drive in, and we'd have our our headlight beam on, and we would see the silhouette of an animal, and we Aaron and I would play the game cat or rat because oh, they're the same size. Wow! You just got to look at the silhouette and and you know, it's a 50-50 shot because uh, the cats did nothing. They don't mess with the rats in, in that neighborhood. Well, why would they when yeah. they're probably outweighed by a couple pounds? Exactly. So uh, we've got pythons are really common, large python, really large pi- pythons. You see them? Um, I have not seen uh, I've not seen one at the school. We had a small garden snake at the school, but the pythons I know we have a friend who lives just 10 minutes down the road. She's caught five. Oh wow. Uh, but she also has a big piece of land with a lot of uh, grass and um, water. So a, a more natural and right. hospitable place for them. Um, we've got water buffalo, which are really common, um, but they're really used for farming practices. Um, elephants. I mean, elephants are native to Cambodia, so you can go up to northeast uh, northeast Cambodia to the Mandalkir region. It's beautiful mountains. It's I call them mountains. They're like the they're similar to the Ozark Mountains, big rolling hills, um, and the beautiful jungles. And the the elephants are there, and they're just majestic. They're so Have cool. Have you rode on an elephant? I'm not going to say if I rode on an elephant. <laughs> Have you rode uh, on I'm an not, elephant? I'm not going to say if I've ever... So you've rode on an elephant. I'm not saying that. On, on you an saw el- someone ride I on an elephant. I saw someone ride yeah. on an elephant. Did it look like they were having fun? It did look like they were having fun. <laughs> now, in Cambodia, I can say in Cambodia, I've never ridden on an elephant. Uh-huh. Let me think. I've never ridden on a Cam- uh, Cambodian elephant. And the ones out in the jungles, you got to go out, feed them the ban- bananas. Uh, um, they had bamboo shoots. That was really, really fun. Um, and that's that's a really cool experience. They've got uh, the Irrawaddy River Dolphin, which is a freshwater dolphin that is, I believe, endangered. It's uh, in the Mekong. They are beautiful. They don't look really anything like our tr- you know, what we think of the bottlenose dolphins. They've they, Their beak is much shorter, much more rounded face, and, and the, the dorsal fin doesn't really stick up as much. It's kind of floppy, but they are beautiful. And, and uh, whenever my wife and I went to go see them, we were really nervous to see how the Cambodians would um, make money off of this adventure of, of seeing the dolphins. But we were so impressed with the respect that the local uh, guides gave the dolphins. They gave them space. They didn't try to chum the water. They didn't, they didn't do, they didn't mess with the dolphins. They just knew where they'd be when they'd be there. And they took you close so you could get some photos and then away you went. And I was so happy that the the local community there uh, respected the, the dolphins that much because uh, that was that was beautiful so what what would you say the best thing about the outdoors is in Cambodia what is just overall speaking of being outdoors recreationally what is the best thing about the outdoors in Cambodia man that's a hard question because it's going to come down to to kind of what you love to do we I've got friends who love uh, biking um um, so, so they'll, they'll go do biking. They'll do moto like, uh, cross country 
motorcycle driving um, and they'll go out into the into the jungle really um, and they absolutely love that Cambodia also has beautiful beaches um, with great with great diving and snorkeling um, and so that is my preference yeah. I, I really love the beach um, and then there's a small river town called uh, Kampot that is gorgeous and you can take little boat rides up into the mangroves and they'll have fireflies come and settle in the night and it's quite magical um, so yeah there's there's so many things to do, um, except for anything cold. You guys have mosquitoes there? Yes. So mosquitoes are a huge problem. That's one of the biggest things I forgot to mention this about living in Cambodia is because they have the dengue, the mosquitoes that carry dengue and chikungunya. And while none of these, usually these aren't fatal, they hurt a lot. Uh, dengue is nicknamed the broken bone disease because it feels like all the bones in your body are breaking. Mm. It's terrible. There's four types. I've got a buddy who's gotten, I think, three. So he's almost, if he gets the last one, he's immune to all of them. He can get bitten by anything. Um, but it is not fun. Aaron and I are super uh, aware of mosquitoes, constantly on alert and uh, making sure that windows, doors are shut quickly, that we we have mosquito traps, um, lights and things that'll kind of get them. But that's a constant concern for us as mosquitoes. I, I think when we think about nature, I don't really worry about any snakes. So they do have scorpions and things, but those don't, you don't really interact with them unless you're looking for them. But mosquitoes are everywhere. So would you say that's the worst thing about the outdoors in Cambodia is the mosquitoes or is there something worse? No, mosquitoes. Mosquitoes is the worst thing. Are they big, small? No, they're actually not that, they're not that big. Just diseased. They're just diseased and and they can be sneaky. They're not, Mm. in some ways it's nice if they're as loud as a helicopter and slow, but but they're actually kind of stealthy and that's, that's the worst. Yeah. So is there anything in Cambodia, like an outdoor activity that would seem obscure to us here in the United States? There's something that people do and you're like, well, never thought or never heard of that before I moved here. Okay. So this goes back to to the fishing. I forgot to mention this. Um, One of the things I, our school was built, um, I guess, seven years ago out in, at the time, what was rice paddies. And as, you know, for several years now, now Everything has been built up around, as I mentioned, how quickly the city's developing. But for several years, I got to to look out during my planning period uh, at the beautiful window with with uh, coconut trees and rice paddies and the guys planting and, and farming the rice. And every once in a while, I see a guy out there with a car battery on his back wearing big rubber uh, boots and carrying two sticks. And he would walk around and he would go where he thinks a big fish is or a big frog and he would just electrocute the water around him (laughs) and then whatever was there would just float right up and he'd get it and put it in his bag and he'd just walk around with this car battery just electrocuting uh, until he could find enough for his dinner i guess it's efficient i don't know how well that fits into the story of conservation but i guess it's probably an efficient practice for procuring some food yeah you really don't want to leak in the boot though yeah no yeah <laughs> you take yourself out with a car battery that'd be quite the story but how you died um man i i guess i didn't understand the diversity of of habitats there in cambodia you've got rivers and, and beaches and jungles and sounds like a lot of beautiful scenes w- would you recommend that this be some place that that people travel for vacation? I mean, you never hear of somebody saying, yeah, I'm going on vacation to, to Cambodia. It's not something you hear of. 
Right. Yeah, um, yeah I definitely would. Yeah. Um, it's a long flight. And I, and I think, I honestly think that's why you don't, why it's not a big tourist destination for Americans. Um, for Europeans, it is really common. And then for Asians, it's huge. Um, we've got tons of Japanese, Korean tourists uh, coming in, Thai tourists coming in. Um, but I, I definitely think it's worth worth the trip. Um, seeing Angkor Wat is really amazing. It's a, a thousand-year-old temple complex. It's the biggest in the world. It's surrounded by the jungle and in some parts consumed by the jungle. And we've got monkeys running around. Um, and it's just the, one of the most picturesque places. Um, it's really beautiful. Um, and so I, I think that trip is amazing. And then I'd mentioned the beaches are my favorite place. One of the episodes or one of the seasons of Survivor was actually filmed on one of the islands of Cambodia. And that's where my, my that's where my family goes on vacation <laughs> is to the Survivor Island. That's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, you I got one more question here. Me personally, it, it's the more you talk, like we say, like there's just so many more questions we want to ask. But before we start wrapping all this up, I do have one more question. And living here in the Ozarks, being able to carry a firearm, uh, whether it be a pistol on my hip, whether it be concealed carry, whether it be just walking the woods with a bow and arrow and be able to hunt deer, you know, give me a picture of what that's like living in Cambodia. Can you, can you carry firearms? Can you, you personally, um, can you, can you move them from the States over there now that you live there, um, with bows and arrows? Are you able to go hunt? What kind of wildlife can you hunt? Um, and if you can't, what is your defense? And, and, and in that survival thought and mindset, what, how are you protecting your family? Yep. Good question. Um, they heavily restrict firearms. Um, obviously with the Khmer Rouge, um, that was ever present in their mind and their thought about how quickly that party was able to, to take over power. Um, and so that is something that they have restricted you, um, I've never looked into um, personal carry, uh, conceal, um, just because I, I know n nobody there has guns. It just, it's just not a thing. Um, there may be ways uh, if you go to special courses or, or pay for the right permits, but I know that it's, it's very, very rare. There was a time in, in the history after the, the Khmer Rouge, um, during that rebuilding process, things were a little wild west. Um, so a lot, you would have a lot of uh, personal security. You'd have kidnappings, ransom types of things. The government has done a really good job, kind of cracking all of that down. And that uh, that's taken, you know, forty years to kind of um, to clean up. But they have, and so violent crime for expats, for for me, for people not Cambodians extremely rare extremely rare what's an expat expat is an individual who is not from that country who has moved to, to work in that country um so missionary is is an expat missionaries expats um if you're if you're a banker from america and you're they've sent you over to run a bank in cambodia you're an expat for that time you're there um so uh, attacking a foreigner um that just really doesn't happen um, and so I, I genuinely have more concern about gun violence coming here, honestly, than I do there. Anything that would happen there, they, it'd be a pickpocket. That's that's what I have to worry about, and I know how to how to 
you know, take care of myself in those situations. Um, be aware of my surroundings. Don't have my wallet out ex- easily um, when I'm carrying bags. Make sure to you know hold it in the front. So there's there's things I can do there. But um, I have never personally heard of, of violence against any missionary or any expat in Cambodia, and I've been there eight years. Um, yeah, I'm, knives are also um, not. They have limitations on the length. Um, but they do have machetes and things because this is a, a, a really agricultural country still. Uh, most of the, the largest um, product that they sell overseas is rice. So uh, they do limit like knives and things. Um, so, but that is growing in popularity uh, because of video games. Funny enough, they'll, they'll start to make like knives that reflect video games so that's as a school admin i have to keep an eye out for that um that my one knife incident on school was a video it's a knife that was made to look like a video game knife um so yeah uh, things like that um exist um keeping your family safe is just knowing where to be when to be there um being aware of your surroundings making good choices um and um just kind of in some cases you just got to keep your head down um, and so when you know that, you know how to be safe. Cody, you mentioned having to deal with a child bringing a knife to your school and, and your role at your school, you are is an operations director or like you have an administrative role. So you probably really can answer this well. You know, here in the United States, it is no secret that most of our country is losing our faith in our public school system. People, um, they're... Schools are not allowed to discipline in ways they have in the past. Um, some people, some parents don't want their kids disciplined. Others don't want to send their kids to public school because they're not disciplined enough. Homeschool is growing massively here. Ben and I teach and work with students from both homeschool and public schools. Um, and really, for us, we, we say there's no perfect. We see good things of both sides and, and bad things of both sides. We focus heavily on all of our camps and all of our programs um, on behavior. Behavior is a part of every single thing that we teach. We don't come out and say it, but to be safe, to do the activities that we do, we have to have um, respect and we have to have decent behavior to to be able to trust these kids to do these things. What is discipline like and behavior like in the schools that you're running there in Cambodia? It's a great question. Um, we are in Asia, and uh, while it may seem like a stereotype or a broad generalization, in many ways, it's accurate that the students treat school with a, a higher level of respect, and they teach and they and they treat their teachers with a, a higher level of respect than I think um, most Western students do. Their families really value, especially if you're going to a private school where you're paying tuition, you really value this education. You you have put a financial number on this. Um, so you have expectations on your children to learn. And as a school, we have clear behavior policies that say, if you do this, if you act these ways, you will succeed. And if you don't, you won't succeed. Um, and so we're very clear with that. Um, for the most part, I have very little problems, even in the scenario with the knife. The family came in. Um, it was an innocent thing. Uh, there, there was nothing uh, No evil, malice. Yeah. No malice uh, at all. Um, the family was hugely apologetic. Um, they 
told me to keep the knife. I didn't, they didn't even want it anymore. Um, they were embarrassed. It is an honor shame culture. Mm. Um, so that has its own pros and cons. And, um, so when you're, you're in public, you're in school, you're in public and you're, you're, you are representing your family. And so, um, that is taken very seriously in a collective, uh, collectivist society and especially in honor shame society. So you always want to do your best. Um, and that leads itself to students who generally are very, uh, obedient, respectful, um, and not necessarily kind. That's something that we have to, that's something we work on by showing love and grace and, and patience with our kids, but they grow into that as well. Yeah. I think, yeah, the best way to grow into that is to, for you guys to, to show it and hold them accountable. It sounds like you guys really set your foundation on setting very clear expectations up front, and this is what we're going to hold you to. And then when, when it isn't followed, you hold them to that and uh, it sounds like you've created a, a good culture there and in, in, inside your school. And I love that you have showed me pictures and, and talked about projects and over the years of what you've done with your school. And now you're opening another campus and you've moved up in roles over the years. You started as a teacher. Now you're, you're in operations, just done some really, really great things. And just so everybody knows, this is Cody just got in town a week ago, we one can. week ago, this is the first time I've seen you in a year right now in this moment. We haven't even got a chance to catch up. We just got straight to work here on the podcast. So I'm sure there's so many stories and great developments happening with your school and, and pictures to show me. But can you talk more about your school? Because you've shown me some of the facilities over the years and the developments. I would be honored to send my children to the school. Mm. There aren't many schools here as great as what you've built. Can you just share some of, um, I guess pride isn't the word, but um, just some of the things that you've been able to do for God's glory with this education system? Yeah. So uh, God started this uh, AHIS in 2010, and that's my school out of the three. Asian Hope has Logos, AHIS, and the VDP school system. So AHIS is the one I was at. started in 2010. And so I, I came and uh, I think 2015, I was able to join and there was a great foundation there. Um, but that the first year I was there, we were at a small little building. We actually had two separate campuses and they were remodeled apartment buildings. It was just kind of survival. And um, we were able to then the next year move into a purpose built campus. Now, what this purpose built campus lacked was any type of uh, outdoor space, play space. Um, so over the years, we've been able to uh, install a soccer field to get our kids out and active. Um, we actually can announce we have a, a soccer team now. We've just uh, so cool. Yeah, we've awesome. just joined the International Sports Association in Phnom Penh. So our kids are going to actually start competing athletically in Very volleyball. Cool. Volleyball, basketball, soccer, and swimming. We were able to build a pool, which earlier I didn't mention how when we were talking about water and its importance life. It's important importance of its of it in Cambodia and on people's lives, um, and they li- you have people who live on the river who do not know how to swim. Mm. Um, this is a huge issue in Cambodia. You've got a country that has rainy season, flooding seasons, and a, most of the people do not know how to swim. So one of our intentions in building the swimming pool was to teach a life-saving skill. Um, and so we it's fun to compete. It's fun to, to kind of do that side of it. Um, but first and foremost, we do that uh, as a life as a life skill um, because we believe someday it will 
um, save somebody's life in, yeah, in a bad situation. Absolutely. So we've got the the volleyball court, the the swimming pool. We've got beautiful playground equipment that we were able to get in. Um, I worked with an amazing uh, Cambodian contractor a few years ago to build a, a, a basketball gym that had enough space for vo- for three volleyball courts, and we've got all basketball goals that move. And so, and that's a covered space. So during the rainy season, we can still get out and and play and move, and our PE lessons can be involved. Um, we were able to, in 2019, um, right, uh, yeah, uh, no, yeah, end of 2019, we finished construction on our, our theater, which uh, we're very, very proud of. It's got retractable seating. It's got a nice, huge stage. And we weren't able to use it because of COVID for two years. But then our first production was during Christmas of 2022. And it was written by one of my former students. And she took the... the chapter two of Luke, um, the, the birth of Jesus and rewrote it from the, the, the donkey's perspective, the donkey that carried Mary. It was oh, wow. beautiful. It yeah. incorporated, uh, acting, singing, dancing, interpretive dance. It was wonderful. And it was all put on by our kids and they were able to use that space. The very first time we got to use the theater, it was those kids sharing the true meaning of Christmas with their families mm. who had only ever heard of Santa if they had heard of Christmas at all. Wow. Um, so that was, that's something really exciting. Um, so yeah, we're, we're able to really build these spaces. Our classrooms are great. Our classrooms are huge. We do a lot of uh, flexible seating. So for those in the educational world, you know what that means. For those of you not, it, it means that we don't, we don't have, we have 25 kids we do not have 25 desks and 25 chairs in a classroom. Um, we teach in small groups. We do rotations. We have a lot of differentiation based on their levels um, to help the kids uh, figure out exactly where they are in each subject and help them improve no matter where they're at. We want to see improvement, um, and that's the name of the game. So our, our style of teaching, uh, the way that we've built our classrooms, the way that we've used our outdoor space, it's all around uh, an excellence, a love of what God has given us, uh, an understanding of the steward- stewardship that is required of us, um, and our kids and our families, they notice that. So a lot of improvements, I mean, from an, having worked in operations, it is hard to pull off that many projects, even in just a few years' time. I mean, to pull all that off, to source the money, to find the contractors, to get it paid, to get it finished, to get it to where it is a, a permitted usable space, it takes a lot of work. And you're doing this over and over again in a short amount of time. What about now? Are there new plans and new announcements? What What's being built now? Two weeks ago, we signed contract with the bank to buy our neighbor's land. So... Um, one of my jobs is to look at the, the wait list and we are in the enviable position of having more students want to come to our school than we can, uh, accommodate. Yeah. Um, and, and that as, as the, as an evangelical that tears my heart because that means these kids that I say, I'm sorry, we don't have room. They don't get to hear the gospel. So, um, this, our neighbor's land was a karaoke restaurant where you could go fish and every day at two o'clock. You could set your watch to it. They would start their music. And we finished school, mind you, at 3 o'clock. Mm. Um, so on, sometimes the music is, is an appropriate level. Most times it wasn't. So it's my job to go over there and politely ask them to turn the music down. Yeah. Sometimes they would. Sometimes they wouldn't. Well, it just happened to be the day I was looking at that wait list. And I was walking back from asking them to turn it down, frustrated that I had to do this all the time. And the thought just came into my mind. What? What if we bought this land? What if we bought that and built another building that would allow us 
to go three classes in each grade. Currently, we have two classes, um, so 25 and 25 in each grade. So 50 kids in grade one, 50 kids in grade two. I want to do 75. Our current facility does not have the space for that. Right. If we bought our neighbor's land, we built an early years building, boom, we would have access to an additional 350 kids. And our wait list would be zero, and and we would be able to, to share the gospel with these kids and give them a good education. And so that I, we, we proposed that to the CEO. He, he took it to the board. We got approval, and, we, and just two weeks ago, we signed on the dotted line, and it's ours. So yeah. we're, that is my next big project is building up uh, a new uh, early years building for us. And praise God and, and congratulations. Yeah, yeah thank it sound, you. sounds like, yeah, God was working and all that almost laughingly. Like, yeah, you, you want to you wanna distract what I've got going on here? Well, I'll have that too. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I love that because it is all his. It is all his and, and, and he can do with it as he pleases. You know, you're doing a lot. You're a crazy amount of improvements. Most of all, you are sharing Jesus with children's hearts. And that is so important. If our listeners are hearing this and they want to help you, this none of this happens for free. Is there a way that they can do that? How can they help Asian Hope? How can they help Cody and Aaron Rodgers in Cambodia? Yep. So if they're interested in Asian Hope, I recommend they go to asianhope.org. Check out our Facebook pages Um, from asianhope.org. You can find logos, AHIS, and more about VDP and our individual Facebook pages. You get a real sense of the community there. Um, For Aaron and I, we are missionaries. We're always looking uh, for people who would like to partner with us, um, both financially and through prayer. Um, and so if that is something you're interested in, or you just want to learn more about us, um, sending us an email would probably be the, the easiest way to kind of get to know us. We do have a newsletter. We do have a private Facebook group that we could add you to. Um, so if you reach out to us via email, that would be the best. And our email is Cody and Aaron at gmail.com. And I'll spell that out. It is C O D Y A N D. A-R-I-N at gmail.com. Cody and Aaron. Yeah, and we will share all of that on our social media pages as well. We'll we'll share uh, the Asian Hope, AsianHope.org. Mm-hmm. We'll share that on our Facebook and our Instagram. We'll, we'll share your email as well, as long as you're okay with that. Um, yeah, and, and hopefully somebody will, will reach out to you, and even if it's just offering a word of prayer and, and to thank you for, for the work that you guys are doing. Um, so thankful you've been on today. Any last words you would like to, to share with all of our listeners about Cambodia? I just, um, Cambodia is a beautiful place, and it's, it's got a beautiful people, and they are at a very interesting point in, in history where God is doing something really cool. And it, in many ways, it feels like we're, on the, we're at the, the ground floor of something, of a, of a new, of something new. God is doing something new. And so to, to pray for us, um, to, to support uh, Asian Hope or us or any other missionaries working in Cambodia um, really goes a long way, really goes a long way to, to reaching that country. Like I said, 97% is Buddhist. We need a lot of work. Um, the field is ripe. Mm. We, we need to get out, get out there and, and keep sharing. Yeah, uh, so glad that you came on today, and, and hopefully somebody will be encouraged by this and, and maybe lend you guys a, a helping hand or, or reach out to Asian Hope and, and see what they can do for that organization as well. Now that we have all our work in, we can go catch up and play some golf. Sounds great. <laughs> Cody, before we wrap it up here, I do want to thank you for 
your service. I want to thank you for your sacrifice. Um, it's really cool to see a man of God follow through with, with the call that God's placed over you and your family. Um, you know, the sacrifice your, your wife, your daughters make, you know, that's, that doesn't go lightly. Um, I think what I really feel like God's telling me to tell you right now, just you, Cody, as an individual, as a man of God, is is attitude and having a positive attitude. And it's tough, especially in Cambodia, when you go back to even just being here in the States right now, just having a positive attitude is a choice. And it's hard to have the to choose to have the positive attitude every day. And this is a one last quote that I want to share with you, and it's, it's actually from Walt Emerson, which I don't even know who that is, but it's one that I like. And it says, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. And I think that's what you carry with you, man, is, is that positive attitude. And, and I've seen you in years past, you know, I've, I've seen you uh, get up and speak at churches and, and you do a great job at that, but it's, it's really the character and it's what's within you. And I, I believe that's Jesus. And I believe that you you carry him on your shoulders and, and he carries you through everything. So don't lose that. Keep that positive attitude. And uh, man, I hope that I hope that meant to be and somehow your journey um, crosses paths again and, and we can do this again. That would be great. Thank you so much. Well, that was the interview with our good friend Cody Rogers, all about his life living abroad. He's lived with him and his wife and grown his family abroad for over a decade now and we actually got to have him in studio which was an awesome pleasure and Ben I don't know about you but I learned a lot about Cambodia in general but even just like trying to imagine picturing myself living the life that he's living raising my family in a third world country that is less than one percent Christian man it it takes strong people to do that but not only strong people people that are gaining their strength through Christ so I was encouraged by that and we got to have some fun moments and, and talk about the outdoors and some of the cool uh, animals and wildlife that they get to see. But really, I left uh, just encouraged that there is work for God's people to do, and there are still God's people that are willing to do it. Yeah, Brian, having Cody on was it was a treat. It was a pleasure. I was so thankful to get to hear his experiences. I also learned a lot. I didn't know that water would completely move backwards unless you had an earthquake. So... There's just so much to talk about. Uh, there were so many more questions I had and can't wait to maybe next year uh, have him back on. Absolutely. And again, remember there are ways that you can help Cody and Aaron Vision. Visit AsianHope.org or you can email them. We'll put some of that links up on our social media. We will be back next Thursday with a brand new episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. Don't forget to follow along on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram, as well as our Facebook group, the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast Q&A page. And of course, on whatever platform that you listen on, hit the automatic download and subscribe button and share with all your friends and family. We're so thankful that you listened to our interview with Cody Rogers. You will hear from us again next week. And as always, between now and that time, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. And always remember that you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.